Welcome to the Proverbs 31 Ministries podcast, where we share biblical truth for any girl in any season. I'm your host, Meredith Brock, and today I am here with two super fun people, so I'm going to spoil the surprise right now. I want to welcome Hannah Schindler from our First Five team and Joel Mutamale, our theological extraordinaire here at Proverbs 31 Ministries. Welcome to the show, friends. Thank you for having us. It's so good to be here. So uh, great. I'm so excited about today I because now the reason I've got, I get to share the reason I've got these two people here with me today is something really special that we've been working on for a very long time here at Proverbs 31. And I finally convinced everyone to give me permission to tell our friends here on the podcast. So Hannah. Yeah, that's right, Meredith. And so again, we have been so excited about this for a long time. We've been working on something for almost a year and it's going to be so special. So usually when you hear us talk about our study options like First Five or online Bible studies, we're talking about two different departments within Proverbs 31 that kind of do their own thing throughout the year. And in First Five, we're app-based and go through a book of the Bible at a time, focusing on a passage of scripture or a few verses of for each day. And online Bible study is a community of women who do five to six topical book studies a year, and their content is delivered mainly through the study blog on the Proverbs 31 website. But drum roll, please. Oh, tell us. For the first time ever, both First Five and online Bible studies are going to study the same thing so that we are all growing in our knowledge and experience of Scripture together. This oh. feels like a dream. It's amazing. It, what in the we world? We have been working towards this for so long, for so you guys. Long. And I am really, really excited to tell our listeners the name of the study. And it is called The Answers to Your Deepest Longings, 40 Days Through the Bible. Woo-hoo. Now, for some of you, right now, you just stopped breathing a little bit. Panic. Because right. you're like, oh my gosh, are you going to make me read through <laughs> the whole Bible in 40 days? Um, but y'all, don't worry. We're not going to read through the whole Bible in 40 days. We are going to take 40 days to understand the overarching storyline and narrative of the entire Bible in 40 days. And so if you've ever felt confused about like, wait a minute, what happened back there in Genesis and why in the world does it have anything to do with over here mm-hmm. in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Right. You know, and then there's all these books in between and it's very confusing and how, what, what do they all have to do with each other? This is the study for you. It is. It's going to be fantastic. Yes, absolutely. And so coolest thing about this study is we are going to be unpacking what we titled as longings. And mm. there are going to be these eight identified longings um, that Jesus ultimately fulfills. So yes, we will get an overview of the Bible, but we'll also spend time focusing on a specific longing like a desire on how we ultimately find all satisfaction in Jesus. And I just cannot wait for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is going to be our largest study Ever, and our teams have worked so hard on writing the content and creating an, an experience that works specifically for you. So you can either use the First Five app to participate, like all my First Five friends, or sign up to receive daily emails from online Bible studies. No matter which way you choose to participate, there will be one joint community group on Facebook for everyone to access. So to find out more, go to proverbs31.org 
backslash study. And this study starts on September 7th. So go ahead and register for free today. I really can't wait to have our whole ministry going through the Bible together for 40 days. I just know the Lord's gonna move in a really powerful way during this time. And honestly, with the season we've collectively been in as a nation Mm -hmm. and the world, really there's never been a better time to be unified through the word of God. This is going to be a really, really special thing. So friends, my podcast friends, don't miss out. Yes. Go sign up. I wanna I wanna see you hanging out in that Facebook group with us. I know, it's going to be so great. And so um, like Meredith said as well, I'm not the only person here. We have Joel hanging out with us today because we wanted him to spend a little time digging into this theme of longing. Um, Joel, I know it's something we've been talking about for what feels like a year now. Yeah. Um, and so can you help us unpack this theological standpoint so that we have a good foundation for this upcoming study. Um, And while you do that, Joel, we have a few questions that we are going to ask you. So I hope you're ready. Let's go for it. Okay. So the first question, Joel, is what was the Garden of Eden like before the fall? Um, Because ultimately it really doesn't seem real or obviously any reality that we can connect with today. Yeah, uh, I think that's such a good question. And if you have been hanging out with us at Proverbs 31 Ministries or um, with our friend Lisa Turkhurst or just been around the podcast for any bit of uh, time, you know that somehow we always go back to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Genesis <laughs> 1 and 2 and 3 might be literally falling off of my Bible because I just keep <laughs> going back there. Um, and yet, Hannah and Meredith, you know, one of the things that I think we find often is when we think about how we think about those first three chapters of the books of the Bible of the of Genesis, when we think about those first three chapters of the book of Genesis, um, often our minds go directly to creation, mm-hmm. right? But we think about it at a thirty thousand foot level, mm-hmm. right? And then it goes right to this anticipation of the fall. Mm-hmm. And I, I know myself, like I don't often pause and slow down and think about what was the reality of the Garden of Eden and how would Adam and Eve lived? What would have their relationship been like um, with the Lord? Because we're so quick to get to the fall. And it's not that we shouldn't get to the fall, but I think there's something very instructive for us to really think about what the garden was like prior to the fall, because honestly, it gives us a sense of assurance and hope for what eternity is going to look like mm-hmm. with Jesus. And so, uh, a couple really quick just things that I think pop up to me. One is that when God creates Adam and Eve in the garden, Genesis 1, Genesis 2, um, he gives them a command. Mm-hmm. They're told to name the animals. Mm-hmm. Um, they're told to cultivate or to keep. Uh, it's the Hebrew word samar, means to guard or to protect Eden. Uh, this is Genesis 2.15. Um, they are given a vocation prior to the fall. Um, And so it seems like the Garden of Eden is not some ethereal place that just people are maybe floating around in. Yeah, because that's totally how I envision it. Just (laughs) so you know, like when I think about the Garden of Eden, definitely people are not walking. Like they're floating. Right. And they're all like in in white robes. Right. That's how I envision it. If if our listeners could see us right now, I'm I'm, I'm flapping my arms in case you're you're wondering. Like like, I am some kind of ethereal being. Right, exactly. Uh Um, And yet that is totally not 
the the picture, the language. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really seems like this is a very literal place. The description of rivers, of trees, of animals, um, and so it seems that uh, prior to the fall, the Garden of Eden was um, really paradise. It was a place to live. But the thing that made it so beautiful was the presence of God. Mm-hmm. And the thing wow. that made it so so uh, I'm going to say magical, but the thing that made it so magnificent um, is that God and His people lived in relationship together with a purpose. Mm. Um, And so it seems like there was this uh, train, this illustration that I used, there was a train and God had created this brilliant railroad track. You know, Mm -hmm. if you ever crossed over railroad tracks Mm -hmm. Um, and there's this destination that you know you're going to get to. And God has taken Adam and Eve like a train and put them on on the railroad track. And he said, let's go. And then as you're going, somehow this detour took place. Mm. And we don't quite know where the detour is going to go. And in Genesis 3, what I believe takes place is not a destruction or a a total denial of God's purpose for Adam and Eve. There was this detour that Mm. took place. And so from Genesis 3 all the way through Revelation, we find the Lord actually building the railroad track to take us back to that original destination. And we're going to see that Eden has a crucial role in that. Hmm. I love that, Joel. I feel like um, that brings so much more clarity to what many of us, I think, were taught in right. Sunday school, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you jump over all this context of what was actually happening in the garden. And like, why did God, it kind of almost feels like when you're little, it kind of felt mean. Yes. Um, what God what God did right. to Adam and Eve right. by bringing them to this earth and then throwing them out of the garden, right. you disobedient <laughs> little meanies. You know, when that's not at all. Like you, like you said, he, he had them on a destination. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they now we're in the middle of the detour, guys. Yeah. It's yeah. pretty wild. And there were actually pleasurable things in in the destination. The fruit, all of the fruit, y'all. All of the fruit, not just one little tiny piece of fruit, all of the fruit, this brilliant orchard that is planted, mm. all of it was good and pleasant to that. So it seems like even Adam and Eve are eating yeah. <laughs> prior to the fall right. because God says literally, yo, by the way, all this fruit is here. The water is here. The plant. Right. I, mean, I mean, you you can enjoy the goodness of my creation. So what was Eden like before? It seems like just brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Like a more beautiful whole earth. Absolutely. Okay. So you touched on something there. That I think is maybe, maybe it's just me. Uh, Adam and Eve were eating, mm-hmm. which means they were fully human. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. that's that's such a, such a good question. So I'm going to use two phrases for us. Okay. One is fully human and the second one is truly human. Mm. Okay. So this is going to feel <laughs> semantical, right? I know, but <laughs> both of our heads yeah, turned. Yeah. Um, and so l- again, we're going to use these mile markers, Genesis one and two, then we're going to look at Genesis three. And then I want to look at the incarnation when Jesus comes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so in, in Genesis one and two, Adam and Eve are fully human, mm-hmm. fully human. And yet like what we just talked about, they still have things to do. Mm. They still are to grow. They're still to mature. God, God tells them to not build in Eden massive walls and create a monastic society mm. where they hide away from the rest of the chaos of the world. No, actually what God says is, by the way, my image that I have given you is supposed to be multiplied and spread to the ends of the earth. And so the glory of God would be spread out to the ends of the earth. So the idea is Adam and Eve are a type of, this is what an Old Testament scholar, uh, Gordon Wenham says. He says there are 
type of vice regents. They're a type of royalty. Mm-hmm. And they were the agents of God who is king. And they're actually uh, designed and destined to spread the kingdom to the ends mm-hmm. of the earth, mm-hmm. right? So, we see all of this imagery. Now, what happens at the fall in Genesis 3 is that they still remain fully human. However, the fall disrupts their nature. So, their, their wow. humanity mm. actually is broken. Their humanity is disrupted, and yet they still retain the full image of God. And yet, um, they, they don't cease to be human. They're not subhuman. And so, mm-hmm. this is a bit of a mystery here, you know? But at the same time, I think it's really important for us as we think about mankind that we don't think of mankind as something less than, but we see mankind as no longer being able to meet the goal that God had given them. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, there's a problem. There's a massive problem. And this is where enter Jesus. Jesus picks up where the first Adam and the first Eve left off. They are unable to meet the standards of God's design and uh, and purpose. And yet, Jesus is what I would call truly human. Mm. Jesus isn't just fully human. He is truly human. And in fact, He is now the goal for the rest of us. So, in Christ, you and I, when we put our faith in Jesus, mm-hmm. um, when we submit ourselves to the kingship of the Lord, we actually regain our full humanity. Wow. And so, sanctification, this idea of becoming more and more like Jesus, is where not only are we fully human, but we learn how to become truly human. Human, and if we want to know what it means to be truly human, we look at King Jesus. Wow, wow. that is so good. Mm, that so is so good. good. So, okay, keep um, on this concept of Adam and Eve talking about, okay, we now know that they were fully human and truly human. What about before the fall, Joel? Um, did they have longings when they had full access to God in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2? Before we before we jump into that question, yes. can I, so I, I feel like we need to address the word longings. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because that's a weird word, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. like, I want our, our, our listeners to think about like when you maybe, and you guys help me unpack this a little bit because I know you've been studying mm-hmm. this much more than I have, but that's not like a word we necessarily use all the time right. in everyday conversation, yeah. right? Um, but as we really looked to title this study, we realized that all of us are really driven by like, desires yeah. inside yes. of us, right? Yeah. And so maybe right now our listeners are longing, um, maybe you're a single woman and you're longing to get married mm-hmm. and to meet that guy and to start a family. That's that desire that mm-hmm. we're talking about, yeah. right? That yeah. thing deep down inside no, that you want. Great. It's more than like wanting a chocolate bar. Yeah. Like yeah. there's, it's something deeper, yeah. right? It's yeah. like... I, I've said to Joel a couple of times recently, uh, there's something missing from my life. Mm. Like that's the sentence that I would use if I weren't going to use the word longings because of studying for this for a while now. I would say there's something missing from my life. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that I'm longing for, that I have this de- desire, this ache. Um, and and ultimately, I think that's where I've learned how often do we ask ourselves or say that to ourselves, but knowing Jesus is the only one who really can fulfill whatever that something missing, that ache is. That ache is. Yeah. Yes. yes. And so, so for, I think it's important for us to identify that because you see why mm-hmm. it might be kind of weird to think that Adam and Eve had longings. Right. Like, did they? If they yeah. were like in this perfect, amazing place. Yeah. 
did they have longings? Yeah, uh, I think so. Absolutely, they had they had longings. So here's uh, I'm going to pull from um, an ancient church father, uh, an African bishop by the name of Saint Augustine, uh, <laughs> and uh, he's one of my favorites. Who come wrote on, a Augustine. brilliant? Come on, Augustine. Um, and Augustine uses this illustration. He says that prior to the fall, that Adam and Eve had have this heart. God gives them this heart, and this heart is a pump, mm. and the pump it pumps out love. Mm. Um, and yet at the fall, the pump doesn't become disabled. Right. It doesn't stop. It doesn't stop pumping out love. Actually, yeah. sin, like a sledgehammer, comes and knocks this pump off kilter. Mm-hmm. And and so now the pump at one point had an orientation and it pointed towards the object of its affection, which is mm-hmm. Jesus, which is God, right? Mm-hmm. Prior to the fall. And then at the fall, it gets knocked off kilter. And then this love pump begins to uh pump and to seek after lesser loves, yeah. things that actually could never truly fulfill them the way that the Lord mm. um, could absolutely fulfill them. And so what we find with Adam and Eve is that prior to the fall, they're still motivated. Mm-hmm. They're still living and they're still loving and they're still acting and they're still doing. Uh, and yet what takes place is at the fall, that desire, that longing to be obedient and to mm. act out of the goodness of what they've mm-hmm. experienced from God himself, it becomes disrupted right. and right. it gets knocked off kilter and humanity ever since. Like, I-, I love the example of the chocolate bar, uh, Meredith, because even if we think of something like a chocolate bar, like we'd be like a chocolate bar, you know, but I, I always want to do like thought experiments. I'm like, well, what is it underneath the chocolate bar? Right. That right. is underneath that. <laughs> right, right, that, and right, I'm trying right. to, you know, I want to do We're this like driving mm-hmm. really to that <laughs> yeah. chocolate bar. Right, right. Because I, I am about. Listen, y'all. It's like, you why do you make want me Snickers. Snickers bar? I know. It. Hannah knows yeah. me too well. She knows me too well. If you look at my study, I've got like this little bag. People uh, notice it on IG sometimes. It's a Starburst bag. I've got a mat, and that's like my little, you know. But why is it that I have a Starburst? Like, what is the longing there? Mm. And I'm just gonna let you know. Sometimes I hit something theologically, and my head just wants. And you know, the greatest feeling is reaching over. That little star and grabbing of all their flavorheads, you know, so it's a bag full of, but there's something deep down, there's a longing, there's a desire. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. even in that kind of silly example, it's still a shadow Mm -hmm. of a greater example that says, actually, Joel, the longing that you're looking for, that the feeling of you just hit something and you can't explain it, instead of going for a fleeting uh, pleasure like a uh, pink starburst, which is amazing, (laughs) I need to turn really to Jesus. And I should actually thank the Lord, don't hear me mystify this too much. I actually want to thank God for the common grace of a pink starburst (laughs) that is present in that moment to get my mind off of that, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I think absolutely they have longing. Absolutely they have desire. It's just that the heart has been knocked off kilter. So if if you were to boil that down, really, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, their longing was... To glorify God. To do God's will. Right. To be fully obedient to Him. And being fully obedient to Him pumped out love to all of creation. And that was their longing, was mm-hmm. to fully uh, reflect Him and in doing that love all of creation, their fellow humans and their fellow mm. earth, yeah. the mm. earth itself and the animals that filled it. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Vertical really and horizontal. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I think we have one more question. Is that right? Yeah. Go ahead. Okay. Let's drop it on him. Let's see what he's got. Perfect. So, um, Joel, why did they long for the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil before they actually sinned? So Ooh, thank, yeah, thank you, thank you. I, I think would not I just heard my mom. My mom's calling me, guys. 
<laughs> you gotta go. I gotta go. Uh, no, uh, this is such. This is again such such a good question. And um, one of the things that I've been thinking about is why the presence of the tree. Mm. Why, hmm. Lord? Oh man! If you love us so much, why put it there? Why? Hmm. Yeah. Um, and y'all, I think so. I've been studying a little bit about this, and, and so here's what's interesting: in Genesis one and two, um, we have the presence of the tree, and then you have Eden that is guard. When Adam and Eve, who are actually guards, they're supposed to protect Eden. They leave. They're 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 sent out as actually a means of grace. Uh, Lisa, our friend, teaches this brilliantly in um, in her teaching series, and it's actually a, a, an act of love mm, yeah. that God sends them out because if they eat of the fruit after they fall, they will live in eternal separation from God. Right. Wow. God says no. Like, I cannot have that happen. Um, and so, but why is that tree there? Um, we find Eden and this tree show back up. I mean, from Genesis 3 on, right? There's some images and illustrations throughout the Bible, but we profoundly find, I want you to go to two places. In Revelation 2.7, um, here's what uh, John, who's on exile in Patmos, says. He says, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who conquers. Listen to this. I will grant to eat of what? The tree of life, mm. which is in the paradise of God, right? Yeah, like, yeah, wait. So I want our listeners to, to listen to this again. Joel is currently in Revelation. So this is the last book of the Bible. This is, this is, A the, lot has end, happened. This is the end, y'all. And he and... We're back. The tree He's of life. He's talking about the tree again. And we're back in the garden again. Yeah. And, and notice the description. It's in the paradise of God. It's it's the wow. dwelling of God. Mm, yeah. Well, where does God dwell uh, in Genesis 1 and 2? In Eden with That's his people, right. right? That's right. Now, check this out. Uh, Revelation 22 Verse two, through the middle, the imagery is so brilliant. Through the middle of the street of the city, I feel like I'm in New York or Chicago, right? Yeah. Like through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river. So there's this brilliant mm. city, but then there's a river that's running through the entire sounds thing. Awesome. This mm. sounds amazing. I want to go there. Yeah. I can go fly fishing, yeah. right? <laughs> sure. Um, the, the, the tree of life. So I'm going to read it again. Through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with Catch this. It's 12 kinds of fruit. Yielding its fruit each month, the leaves of the tree, listen, unbelievable. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Mm. Wow. So I just, I want to pause on that. What is the purpose of the tree of life? We've always thought of the tree of life as granting the gift of eternal life. Yes, absolutely. But notice in Revelation 22 that we know that in Genesis 3, and particularly in Genesis 11 with Babel, that the, the nations are dispersed, mm -hmm. right? And the people group actually form as a result mm -hmm. of Genesis 11. In Genesis 12, we have this thing called the table of nations where all mm -hmm. the nations are actually named. Um, I think this is so magnificent that one of the purposes of the tree of life is that the leaves itself, like a balm, will actually heal the nations. Wow. And this is something I know that we're desperately longing for today. Mm -hmm. Like we want healing to take place amongst yeah, right. people groups, amongst people yeah. that we love, even within our own families. Right. Mm -hmm. And we see indication that God even had a death for the tree of life there. And now we're still stuck with this question, Lord, why? Why, is why did you put this other sneaky tree up in there? Like, like what in the world? And yeah. here's, here's a thought. There's a difference, I'm going to say, between temptation and sin. 
All right? Mm -hmm. So, just because the presence of the tree in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 1 and 2 was there, and just because Adam and Eve looked at it, um, the the presence of a temptation doesn't naturally instantly mean that they sin. The sin happens at a moment where they see a temptation, then it's, it's almost like this simultaneous thing where the heart shifts its affection towards that temptation mm-hmm. and then the heart and the action meet together and mm-hmm. they reach out and they bite. So all those things are, are, are happening at okay. the same place. But here's what I actually think is the purpose of the tree. I think that the tree is present in Eden. Again, Gordon Wenham is the one who really suggests this, that the tree is actually present um, because it was going to be a gift that was given to Adam and Eve because they had a purpose. Right. They were actually supposed to go out and to uh, spread the glory of God. And I think as a reward at the very end of the they go and they do it. They're going to experience the to eat mm-hmm. of the of wow. the tree because they have done the good work. And I love that Revelation uh, two, Revelation twenty two. It again that railroad track. You know, right. it has been built, and now the train is leading us into the Garden City of Eden. Right. Um, and at the smack center of the Garden City is this brilliant river, which we know the imagery of of life. Uh, and then here's the tree, and then here are these leaves, fruit, and I will finally be able to partake in this. And so. So it was always God's vision uh, for for Adam and Eve to partake and to eat and to enjoy it. But it's all about timing. Yeah. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> patience. And there is something about obedience. Um, and so I think that's something instructive for us. I think that's really good, Joel. I did a little bit of reading on this because I really was, there was a season of my life. Where I was like, that was just mean, God. Right. Like, why did you yeah. do that? Like, yeah. why did you put it there? To and then And then all of humanity just fell apart. And this perfect world, if you wouldn't have just put the tree there, you know? Um, And I can't remember authors like you remember authors. So, everybody, (laughs) all all my podcast friends, please forgive me. Um, But... In my reading, I found that where you were saying it was a, it was a matter of timing. It was a matter of patience. I think it was also a matter of maturity. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where, where Ooh, God good. was saying, he was like a father, y'all. When I realized this, like when I have two kids... And guys, I am not going to take the parental guidance off off my computers for mm. my eight-year-old little boy. I'm just That's not going right. to do it. Right. Because he's not mature, mature. enough to handle that mm. yet. But y'all, I'm going to teach him how to be. Mm-hmm. Over time and patience and trust. And as he gets older, I'm going to teach him, buddy, you can, you can have access to all these things when your heart and your mind knows how to handle it. Wow. You know? And so I've always gone back to that thought of he wasn't being, God wasn't being mean to us. Mm. He was saying, I'm going to mature you in time. And will you trust me to mm. do yeah. that? That's so great. That's so and, they di- and they didn't because they said, no, I want that now. <laughs> you know? And our, uh, I, uh, yeah. man, look at uh, every day. That's how I feel. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't, I don't want to wait nope. for my maturity. I, uh, you know, my eight-year-old, if I gave him the chance to drive my car right now, he would do it. Yeah. <laughs> he would be like, oh, yeah, Ma, hand me the keys. Let's go. Yeah. You know? And then what would happen? He would wreck that car <laughs> mm-hmm. and he would hurt himself and he would hurt other people. Yeah. You know, and so it was God's kindness wow. to us. His uh, original plan was that we would be able to handle the knowledge of good and evil, but we weren't ready yet. And yeah. we jumped the gun. We grabbed the mm. keys. We jumped in the car and drove and whoa. 
Did and we wreck that car? Wow. Meredith, I just think about our culture today and how countercultural what you just said is to us in a world where Alexa is a voice away, Siri is a, Amazon Prime is a day away, maybe same day. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> like, love that. Like it's, right? it's like instant gratification, you know? know? And yet the, what, what God is doing is like, hey, there's something about patience that actually matures you to be able to receive this gift and be responsible with it. It's, That's it's so a beautiful good. thing. It's a beautiful thing. I even think it comes down to aging. Mm. Right? Our culture has told us aging is so bad. Yeah. yeah. Don't age. Right. Botox that mess. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Do it like, all. Do all the stuff yes. to stop yourself from aging. Right. When it, I think in the original design, aging is beautiful mm-hmm. because it, you are maturing. Mm-hmm. In the original design, as you aged, you would have become more like our, your creator. Mm. You would have you had would have gotten more of his heart mm. yeah. and you know more of his mind. And instead, now our whole culture has told us, no, 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 don't age. It's terrible. You know, which just feeds back into this yeah. that maturity, maturity is what we want. Wow. You know, so good stuff. I could talk about this yeah, all day long. Yeah, that was so yeah. great. Seriously, all day long. Um, I hope our podcast listeners have enjoyed this because I certainly I certainly have. Um, I really can't wait to dig into this study, you guys. Mm-hmm. There is going to be so much gold in this 40 days study. I hope our listeners, please don't miss out on this, guys. I want to hang out with all of you and talk about all of the stuff in our fun Facebook group. So when you're ready, go to register, okay, guys? It's at proverbs31.org forward slash study. Yes, and if I can just add one last thing about this study for the 40-day experience. And so you'll hear us say the 40 days. That's what we've been calling it for so long. And so we have this beautiful long title, but we call it the 40-day study quite frequently. And so um, about this study, our teams wrote and designed the entire thing. Um, Even Joel and I got to play a part in even writing some of this. And so... um, For the everyday girl who's listening right now, Mm -hmm. you are represented in this study and even getting to write it. Like, I'm a college dropout and got to write a part of this (laughs) Bible study. And that's crazy. Yes. And so, and then we have Joel, who is not a college dropout. Who's keeping us us between (laughs) between the lines, guys. And so, yes, uh, so many people, so much love um, went into this study. And so, it is available for purchase. And I highly recommend grabbing a copy um, to use each day because it's going to enhance your study so, so much. It's true. And I want to make it really clear that the content in the app will be totally free. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right? So um, if you can't afford a study guide, um, same thing with the, our, our online Bible study friends. Guys, the blog is still going to be hopping over there. Right. There will be daily content in both of those places that are totally free. But if you're ready to dig in, mm-hmm. like if you're ready to really take your Bible study to the next level and understand the 40 day like understand the full narrative of the of the bible right come on grab yes. that study guide let's go to work cuz mm-hmm. i'm ready for it so you can get your study guide at the p31bookstore.com um we're really excited about it if you guys can't tell it's yes. going to be awesome but i think it's time to say goodbye to our I podcast know. friends thank you guys so much for listening today and we really can't wait to see you in this study um we hope that today's podcast help you know, helped you know the truth and live the truth of God's word because when you do we really believe and know it'll change everything mm-hmm.